I'm Ben Perry. Welcome to Mild Spoilers, a solo conversation show about Argyle and the Promised Land. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode number two of Mild Spoilers. The first thing I want to do is thank everyone for listening to the first episode and the trailer episode um, on Apple Podcasts. For the first episode, we debuted at number 61 on the TV and film review section. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you for coming back for episode number two. On the first episode as well, I tried to explain the format of this podcast, and I'll say in my haste to get the first episode out and my poor understanding of what I'm actually doing, I may have been a little bit confusing. So to clarify and to amend, uh, Mild Spoilers will be releasing one podcast a week on Fridays. Most of the time, I'll be discussing two films along with some news and notes about the film industry or the television industry. This week, I had the pleasure of seeing two films I absolutely loved for many different reasons, and I can't wait to dive into them. But first, let's talk about some movies that are coming out in the next couple of weeks so you can kind of set your calendar for what's coming out. February has some awesome films slated to be released, starting on the 9th of February with The Taste of Things, that's this weekend, starring Juliette Binoche, and I will be seeing that for sure, and I will also be seeing this small-budget Stone Age thriller called Out of Darkness. It's helmed by first-time feature director Andrew Cumming. Uh, a lot of reviews are coming out for this one, and they're not very favorable, but again, I will reserve judgment, and you'll find out why a little bit later. Um, Valentine's Day week sees Bob Marley's One Love making its big screen debut. That stars Kingsley Benadire, who you may know from Marvel's Secret Invasion that came out earlier this year or last year now, or a small role in Barbie. And then Lashana Lynch also stars, who is another Marvel alum, and she's fresh off The Woman King from last year, which was a fantastic film as well. Two big ones coming out on February 23rd, Ethan Cohn's new film, it's his solo debut, uh, away from his brother, called Drive Away Dolls, starring Margaret Qualley and Geraldine Viswanathan. And to celebrate his return to Warner Brothers on the 23rd, Christopher Nolan's re-releasing Tenet to theaters. I'll definitely be seeing this in the theaters, even though I still have no idea what the hell is going on in that movie. Hopefully another viewing in the theater will give me some sort of idea of what is happening. And then on March 1st, this is the big one. This is Denis Villeneuve's sequel to 2021's Dune. Dune 2 starring pretty much everyone in Hollywood and then some. Um, I've been looking forward to this since it was supposed to be released last year. And because of the writer's strike, it got pushed back uh, to March 1st. And I will definitely be there opening night and look for that review that week for sure. The first film of episode two we'll be talking about is directed by Matthew Vaughn. He directed Kick-Ass and the Kingsman series, and now he has directed Argyle. It stars Henry Cavill, Dua Lipa, Bryce Dallas Howard, Howard Sam Rockwell, and many more. Uh, came out this past weekend to a pretty bad box office. Uh, compared to a $200 million budget, it made about $34 million back. Which, to give you some perspective, uh, a film that has released its first weekend should make about 50 to 75% of that opening budget back on that weekend. 
this is nowhere near that. Uh, bad reviews definitely hindered that for sure. Uh, but before we get into that, here's a small clip from Argyle. Um, this is Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell's character talking about cats. Had to bring the cat. What did you expect me to do? Leave him to fend for himself? Come It'd on. Be fine. Cat ladies always die alone. The cats figure it out. I am not a cat lady. I'm not. <sighs> and what's your problem with my cat? Exactly. He's really cute. He's cuddly. He's loyal. Oh, please. He's kind. You suddenly drop dead. That cat's chewing your ears off within 48 hours max. Which, with you around, gets more likely by the minute. There is no doubt that Matthew Vaughn is a pretty polarizing director, but he also had some universally loved hits as well, some with mixed reviews, some with stellar reviews. But no film has been panned as harshly as this one, and that is for sure. Every pundit I've listened to or read over this past weekend is bashing this film. Um, here are some quotes from reviews just to show you what's actually happening in that world. Quote, Argyle's attempts at comedy fall flat, with many jokes struggling to land, leading viewers unsatisfied with the film's comedic moments. Unquote. Quote, the film's poorly written plot and muddled story are common complaints among top critics who find it lacking in originality. The next one, snoozeworthy. After leaving a mostly crowded theater where everyone in there was laughing their ass off, I was left asking myself, did the professional critics just not get it? Doesn't take a genius to see the satire within the satire, and Vaughn himself has mocked the spy genre in his spy films before. Here's a clip from Kingsman just to prove it. Simple terms, it's a neurological wave that triggers the centers of aggression and switches off inhibitors. Transmitted through your nasty free SIM cards, I assume. You know what this is like? It's like those old movies we both love. Now I'm gonna tell you my whole plan, and then I'm gonna come up with some absurd and convoluted way to kill you, and you'll find an equally convoluted way to escape. Sounds good to me. Well, this ain't that kind of movie. This film seems to be a direct result of that line. It's kind of Vaughn's love letter to those films, and it's almost pitch perfect. The CGI is god-awful, and the only way that makes sense for a film with this budget, if it was intentional. There's a scene in Act 3 where you just have to turn all of your brain functions off, laugh out loud, and just witness everything that's happening and relish in its ridiculousness, because it is ridiculous. For me, I truly had a blast with this film. I laughed, I held my breath, I loved every actor's take on their role, some more than others. Richard E. Grant shows up at one point, and how they don't let him off the leash and just go bonkers, I don't know, but he's still great because he's Richard E. Grant. And the same goes for another actor who plays an integral role, but I won't spoil that one. But there's one thing you should know before you go into the theater. Despite the fact they are top billed and they're in all of the press material, Henry Cavill and Dua Lipa are not the actual stars of the film. They're in a small portion of the film. Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard are the stars of the film. They play fantastic roles. 
They're funny. They're smart. Their banter is pretty spot on. It seems like they've been acting together for quite some time. So it's definitely something to look for when you go into this film because you're not going to be watching Henry Cavill or Dua Lipa that much. But, you know, you just kind of have to take this film for what it is. You enter the theater, you leave your brain outside, and you just enjoy yourself. I know you can't see it, but you can feel that trailer for The Promised Land. A new film by Nikolai Arcel, starring Mads Mikkelsen in a Danish-language character study. The tagline reads, The story of Ludwig Kalin, who pursued his lifelong dream, to make the heath bring him wealth and honor. Riveting, right? Well, it actually is. With sweeping cinematography and characters so deep and rich, this film makes farming potatoes enthralling. It's a story of obsession and greed, no matter the cost. It's also a story of love and opening your eyes to what's directly in front of you. It's not a new story. We've seen this all before. But the way Arcel lays it out and the way that Mads Mikkelsen portrays his character, the film's ideas feel fresh and new. Even though it's based on real-life events, it's a highly fictionalized version of those events. And that's definitely by design after listening to numerous interviews with the director. If the daily life of a potato farmer on a barren wasteland was told as it happened, it would be like watching a potato farmer on barren wasteland. The big reason it's not like that is because of the cinematography of Rasmus Wiedebeck. The scenes on the heath are filmed with a lot of aerial wide shots, while the character moments are shot in close-up or just at arm's length to convey the emotions that are being portrayed on the screen. While Mads Mikkelsen is the centerpiece, I'd be remiss not to mention Amanda Collins and her portrayal of Anne Barbara as the housemaid-turned-partner of Kaling or the job done by Little Gypsy Girl they take in, Anne Moose, played by Melina Hagberg, who brings the comic levity this film desperately needs. But a story like this also needs a pure villain, and damn, do we get one. Simon Benneberg plays Frederick DeShinkle, an entitled wealthy landowner hell-bent on being as petulant as possible, and the actor succeeds with flying colors. He's truly a despicable man, but his use of power only makes him look minuscule next to Mikkelsen's Kaling. Just how petty is this man? If someone doesn't address him as De Schinkle, he curtly reminds them it's De Schinkle, a name he amended himself to sound more regal. It's interesting to put these two films side by side because they are so vastly different. But in a way, they're pretty much the same. They're both character studies on interesting people, but they just tell the story a different way. The biggest reason I bunched these two films together, though, is simple. Argyle's budget was over $200 million, 
compared to the promised land's budget of $8 million. The world outside of Hollywood is trying to show the American audiences that you don't need these inflated budgets to create a captivating and lofty film. Just look at Godzilla Minus One and what that did earlier this year. And if there's one lesson I hope and pray that Hollywood learns from these smaller budget films is just that. Give us character and story that is well-directed, stunningly shot, and beautifully written, and people will see it. Hollywood has to stop catering to the lowest common denominator and start trusting the audience, or these big-budget monstrosities will continue to hemorrhage money for Hollywood. And on that note, I leave you for the week. Next week, I'll bring two different films I have been eagerly anticipating, one about my profession, the other from my newfound love of horror. Thank you so much for listening to episode two, and if I spoil anything for you, I make no apologies, as this is Mild Spoilers. Mm-hmm.